Well, we can officially begin. Welcome, guys, to Obsessions with Julia Gray, where we talk about the pop culture we love and what it says about us. Today, we have Ariel Gordon, a music writer with bylines in Pitchfork, Stereogum, Bandcamp, among others. I thought we could start with a game called Obsession or Sickness, where I give you a current cultural fixation and you tell me whether you think it's a worthy obsession or if it's proof that we're all mentally ill and need to go to the hospital oh immediately. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the first one is West the West Elm Caleb discourse. Being obsessed with like the discourse around it? And talking about it in general and kind of um, doing your research in the West Elm Caleb uh, saga. I'd, I'd say like is investigating West Elm Caleb himself is a sickness. Like those TikToks where it's like, I'm, why am I a Culver City mom who has spent the last half hour looking at West Elm Caleb's LinkedIn and now I know like where he went to college? That is uh, 5150 immediately. Yeah. But <laughs> Get this woman to the emergency. Absolutely. Room. Um, yeah. It, aneurysm style. But like, I think being obsessed with like, the wanting to know like what people are talking about I guess or like being obsessed with the way people are talking about Kaylin like me knowing this Culver City mom thing I think maybe I'm biased but that is a a healthy normal (laughs) obsession in a you know like in an insane world the sane scene and seem insane kind of thing so no I I feel that way too and I kind of want to be nice to myself in this moment in the research I did about West Elm Caleb yeah uh, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it it really I, I hope the press cycle or the the news cycle ends soon but for for what it's worth I thought it was an interesting um study <laughs> of what's going on through people's heads right now and how nobody has anything going on Yeah it's just crickets I mean I think the interesting, I don't want to, you know, derail too much into the West Elm Caleb verse because <laughs> it could easily just go off into absolute, um, you know, tiny beanie making fun of territory or, you know, dating in New York. But sure. I got really stuck on the playlists. I don't know. I'm sure you saw this, but he, there was somebody found Were the playlist and all our. <laughs> All, I didn't see the playlist, but I do remember reading that they had Kurong bin on them and that <laughs> no. made perfect sense. Okay. I I think Kurong bin is like my most hated band. <laughs> I, 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 I highly agree with that. I think like there's something so cyclically terrible about Kurong bin to me. Like um, it's, it's music, music to browse anthropology to yeah. like the anthropology website. Yeah, exactly. Like not even shopping inside, (laughs) but like imagining wearing a sundress. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know. Yeah. Of of the like kind of zeitgeisty um, bands that still get recognized by Pitchfork, even though it's like, what? I don't know. Like that. I'm trying to think of other bands in that milieu. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like there's some bands that are like that, that are actually like have, I think like Tame Impala for all people hate on them, have merit and have interesting things to say. Oh, for sure. But yeah. like, I think Karangbin is like, you take that and then you kind of, I don't know, it's like the derivative of that five times over. Uh, I feel like it's, yeah, 
guys who love to be like, um, I don't know, like, uh, guys who love to be like snow bunnies or whatever. And like that all went through their s- skiing. I just imagine they listen to only Karanga. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that you paint quite a picture. I'm trying. I'm really trying, but you know, but, yeah. you know who else like feels like normcore Krongbin? Leon Bridges. Yeah. Totally. totally. <laughs> like it completely different kind of music, but, but would also play in an anthropology or um, not an urban outfitters, but you know, it definitely retail browsing music. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying to think of others in that vein, but like, I mean, it's where it's like clearly you're proficient at your instruments, but like we kind of gone beyond that. It's like you told, yeah, like an algorithm how to make um, kind of like world music or whatever. It's, it's, I, um, <laughs> yeah, man. We should, we should go along on Krungbin um, sometime. Clearly, I yeah, have so many things to say. But, I mean, it's just, like, it's one of those ineffable things. Um, I don't know. There were guys in my college who were really into upright bass as, like, a personality. And it aligns pretty well right. with the guys who were really into Krungbin. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, what if you made um, jam music uninteresting? Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next... Um, worthy obsession or mental illness is depressed non-binary M&Ms. <laughs> Being obsessed with the depressed non-binary M&Ms. Um, like the cultural obsession around, um, you know, making the green M&M into like a, a, a sporty spice kind of chick. I think whoever made those M&M decisions is truly like the Joker, like is is sick in the head. And I really can't <laughs> say like, I, I think all we had to go to like live for some days was having like a really like <laughs> slutty lesbian M&M couple. <laughs> um, yeah. And now there's, now there's nothing. They're all, they're all on their own. They don't look like they're friends. It feels like the, they don't look like their friends. They look like they all were dressed, like, invited to a different party. And you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It, I, I also I feel like, while I agree with you, there's definitely some Joker elements to this campaign. <laughs> he could, or he, I don't know why I'm, I'm deciding <laughs> that there was one man deciding how to uh, dress the M&Ms. But the focus group that decided this could be just like us and they're like laughing at this whole thing right they're like ah ha ha it worked i mean you have to wonder because right like there's a couple of campaigns that come to mind the one that came to mind first was when gushers was like black lives matter um oh my god i don't remember that you you can imagine i mean it wasn't like they made like black gushers or anything thank god or like gushers that were <laughs> that would be sick to like skin colors or something terrible but Oh, that's actually that is actually (laughs) but they were just like gushers stands with black lives and it it was one of those like performative marketing things where it's like by saying anything you just made this a lot weirder for everyone or like no one's asking you for this yeah Um, i i also i have a theory that eminem has some scandal to cover up (laughs) well yeah like they got wait didn't they i feel like actually now that I'm saying those words out loud, I feel like I read something about Mars, like 
and like there's child like child labor, labor yeah. violations in like the Congo where they're harvesting their chocolate to you know it's okay, like well, that's blood chocolate. <laughs> Absolutely, oh yeah. no one's talking about that, and it's such a Streisand effect because I would not know about these child labor. Uh, sorry, I almost dropped my phone. <laughs> I'm just so passionate. Child, child labor, um, you know, offenses in the Congo. If people weren't like, this campaign is so stupid and it's a cover up, you know, it's, um, yeah. Okay. So that's actually, that's really smart. <laughs> that, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think we're right that we, that is absolutely a scandal. It um, could also be someone who wanted to bring the scandal to light. <gasps> yeah a, a freedom fighter oh, on the inside <laughs> the most kind of like fucked up whistleblower um mm-hmm. a yeah. whistleblower who doesn't want to lose his job damn um you know but if he's a whistleblower he should really be working for lifesavers you know what i mean because um you can blow whistles through those candies i'm sorry it's I'm oh free. That's good. That was- <laughs> really free association. No, that was- that was beautiful. Do you have a favorite um, M&M color, like, of the new ones, I guess? Or of the old ones, like, before they got rebranded? Okay. Of course green. Like, yeah. of course green. I, everyone loves green. But I I guess now, aren't there, like, Burton Ernie M&Ms, like, two M&Ms who are chum, <laughs> chummy with each other? Is it red, yeah. and, red and yellow? Yeah, those are the classics. Like, yeah. yellow. Like friendship. They seem They seem real. Red is is really like to me like undiagnosed narcissist personality disorder and yellow is on sense. so much the loss that is like empty head no <laughs> Okay, and blue really doesn't come out of the woodwork ever. Blue doesn't, but have you seen those um memes where it's like which I don't know why please tell me you haven't seen these, but somebody's been like mapping all the colors to different like emo albums and like which who you hanging with and it's like what albums these guys would all listen to. Oh, which album the M and M's would listen to? And it's like that's no, but I I would like to see that. Yeah, there's one where it's like blue is really into Long Island emo. So I was like, all right, like I guess I guess I'm into blue. Checked out. I, I I wonder what um, the distinctions are between um, brown and green. Not to be not to be sexist. They true, yeah. When it's like on Shark Tank, where there's like, <laughs> why are there two women? Oh, one's really good at um, QVC, and one is like Barbara Corcoran. But like, um, yeah, I <laughs> totally. One does math, and one likes fashion. Right, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's why they were such a good lesbian couple, you know, like, and yeah, now they're both wearing sensible shoes and it sucks. Um, I, so I think we both agree that um, <laughs> the worthy obsession. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> After talking about it for 10 minutes. A normal and healthy thing. Um, okay, the next one is people who watch the Super Bowl, Bowl excuse me, the Super Bowl for the commercials. Oh, God. Um, that's a sickness. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think like, it's funny because obviously as a kid, that's like all I watched it for, but I think our the our relation to advertising has changed so much in the past, like 26 years I've been alive that like, even if it used to be a worthy obsession, now it just feels so like late capitalist and dark and postmodern and it's no longer fun yeah 
I fully agree. I I used to be a uh, for the commercials head, and I, yeah, I, I think more and more it's just commercials are so depressing. They're not like, I don't know, not that they were ever um, fun, but maybe they were. You know, <laughs> like I feel like now it's just like well, eat dinner on your couch and like, you know, don't put on a shirt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They're just depressing. I don't know. It's like, give me those stupid perverted GoDaddy commercials. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I just remember like, you know, people would be like uploading them to YouTube the next day, like Rogue, like not even the company that owns the commercials because they were just so, you know, you had to see them. And yeah, the GoDaddy horny ones were so, I mean, yeah, like nobody's cared so much about website hosting you know, prior to like DDoS attacks, I guess, with then like seeing some boobs. It was like Danica Patrick, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, wait, no, no. no. I think, I think that I thought it was Danica Patrick at one point, but I think there's a fit. No, no, you're right. It's Danica Patrick. Damn. I mean, why do I know that? Like, what do I not have in my brain that (laughs) I remember this? But yeah. Yeah. There were some iconic commercials, and I will probably do an Obsessions episode after the Super Bowl to talk about them. Ooh, I, that's so fun. Yeah, I, I am mentally ill and that I still watch for the commercials, <laughs> but, you know, hate myself while I do it. Well, it's on Valentine's Day, right? Like, so romantic. Wait, or it's like it? that weekend, yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> fine. Damn. Um, okay. Then, oh, unless you have, do you have more notes on? Uh, no, no, fully <laughs> tapped out. Um, okay, the next one, emo revival, or more specifically, the when we were young festival lineup. Um, yeah, that is. I'm gonna say it's a healthy obsession because I think it's mm-hmm. like a natural obsession, right? Like I think it's the exact same thing of like why we had like I love the '80s as a TV show or. Um, you know, why, like, Boomerang exists as a channel. Like, I just think that the people who are normally making those programming decisions are in their 30s, and that's how old everyone is who used to listen to Hawthorne Heights. I didn't know Hawthorne Heights was still around. And they are, they are already were. Like, I I was just, I assumed, I assumed a lot of these bands got together for this festival, but I guess a lot of them were just still kicking, like, like what is what has we the queens been up to? I have no I I keep well it's it's like yeah I have no idea how much money they make from these like very popular songs like I'd be curious to see if they're just like still in music you know what I mean even yeah. um I know that Jared from the Main is engaged to Jack Vanek of the I Heart Boobies bracelets. Oh my god. <laughs> so that's a power couple. I can't wait to see their fits for this festival. <laughs> that's awesome. I I used to like want all of those fucking bracelets. I had a Blink 182 like Jack Vanek like look alike. Oh my god. That's so cool. I wore it literally day and night. It was why yeah, it's waterproof, you know. Why take yeah, it off? Exactly. Why literally never took it off. It uh, is so you, fucked in it. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, are you going? Or are you not going? <laughs> I couldn't I didn't even try to get tickets. I, I was I I might like no. I mean, did you see that they extended it to a third day? Yeah. Which at that point. <laughs> on a second weekend. Like at that point, they are just yeah, like I just don't think it's like healthy for such a pale lineup to be stuck in Las Vegas for a week, you know? Like I just feel like that's 
an amazing point with such a pale fan base as well. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And also, did you see on the third day that the only difference in the lineup is they're replacing replacing Wolf Alice, which is like kind of a weird um, standout of like dirty hit. But they're replaced. The only difference is Wolf mm-hmm. Alice is replaced by Alex G. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. I guess that feels like a little more thematically in line. In sync, I guess. I mean, I guess, I mean, Jaden's playing, like, it does have these weird, like, you know. Random standouts. Yeah, but, and I think it's, it is a logical thing, and it's logical for Live Nation to capitalize on it, but people will get totally. sick at that festival, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm going, to, I'm trying to cover it, because <laughs> I feel like I gotta see this. Yeah. <laughs> Less for like the the nostalgia. I wanna see these bands factor more, just like I gotta see this. What could this possibly be? Yeah. I mean, I would love to say I'm cur- courageous enough, but I think I'm just, you know, like I my only passing out experience was I passed out at Bamboozle in like two thousand nine. So it does not oh bode well for like other black top music venues. So <laughs> we'll see. Probably not. But let me know how it is. Bamboozle. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever go to Warp Tour? No, I never did. It was it was a bummer. But we just like Bamboozle was like our local like Warp Tour. So I just kind of yeah. made a point, which was like in at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. Um. Mm-hmm. I did you go to Warp Tour? No, I like it was a my mom won't let me go situation. Totally. I wasn't I wasn't like cool and rebellious. And you she should have. Yeah, you know? it's like <laughs> by the time I was old enough to like go to my own, you know, kind of like get rides to festivals and shows. I I think it yeah they either weren't doing it anymore or I was kind of over it. Yeah, it was quick. Like that is like such a quick phase. Like once you're out, you got to sprint out of that phase, you know, and like never look back. Oh, yeah, and then. Sure look back reluctantly 20 years later and then there's a festival that every single band you like is on so um oh my you know what would be cool do you remember the millionaires oh yeah <laughs> absolutely i know where are they i know they should perform at this fucking festival um you know justin moran of paper did a great millionaires mm-hmm. follow-up like two or three years two years ago maybe um where he's like where are they now oh and God, they're awesome. just living they work in sales. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they actually would be great at sales. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like, I, I would follow them as influencers. I feel like I would, I would yeah. buy something they sell. It just feels like in this, yeah, digicore, like hyper pop moment that there's, it's ripe for a, you know, millionaire's revival, but who knows? Yeah. Speaking of hyper pop, era what are your what are you most excited about for 2022 albums wise i say hyper pop because one of my <laughs> top uh looking forward to's is 100 gex nice yeah 100 gex for sure will be very exciting to see i have not been let down so far um but it is like increasingly hard to kind of top what they've put out you know i fully agree um and i also think uh yeah, there is a great 100x needle drop in um, uh, Euphoria, which yeah, I, really excited for Lorelai's. Like, that, what a random song for them to choose! It was awesome. I know, yeah, um, and 
I mean, everything else is kind of like a dad core. I feel like that I've even looked forward to. Like, I'm really excited for the Destroyer record because I love Dan Behar, and I think he's so sexy if he's one of the um, six people listening. Um, <laughs> Dan, hey, oh um, I am excited for the Alice Glass record because she deserves like the biggest redemption oh, yeah. arc, and like you know. Um, I love like somebody whose entire vibe is just like Coraline the movie. Um, <laughs> Actually, that is couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a couple of other things I'm excited about in like the ambient world. Oh, you know what I'm excited about? Um, Avril Lavigne has a new album coming out next month, I think, called "Love oh, Sucks" with fun. an X. No, and I. <laughs> Um, wrote about her last album, which was Head Above Water, which was like Christian rock. Oh so God. is this going to be more of that? No, I'm really hoping it does seem like because she's playing freaking when we were young. I think she's finally returning yeah. to like, you know, pure like pop punk, like tank top and uh, tie kind of rock. So here's hoping. Yeah, here's hoping. I Yeah, it seems like the the google is saying it's a pop yeah i mean that's that's what we need from her yeah we absolutely do and i am i would not you know she did not let me say carry the christian rock stuff i think uh well so yeah i that makes sense um are you excited for charlie xcx's new album yeah i know very little about it um except that like is this the same album and now i feel ignorant is it the same album she's been like kind of promoting for a while via like i hate the industry but i'm a yes all of the industry kind of like yes absolutely do not feel ignorant because she's been so like confusing about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm fascinated by her like i didn't love i didn't love her like singles from last year which i think is kind of the consensus i don't know if you did same Uh, no i'm like a big fan of hers and i just found them like i really did not like i think it's called new shapes um, yeah, going with Caroline Polachek and uh, Christine and the Queen. Christine, like they really could have put together a fun, like energetic song, and it just fell so flat for me. Yeah, I think. Wow, I'm looking at this. I I'm looking at this producer list via Wikipedia. So you know, grain of salt mm-hmm. for um, right. uh, Crash. Um, Ag Cook, great, obviously, but then Ariel Regstag, who's fascinating mm-hmm. to me, honestly. Um, Really? What, what, um, he's what about Haim? Um, I mean, and that's, you know, he's just like a really, I think, brilliant pop producer who is dating one of the Haim sisters, who, mm-hmm. but it works with like just everyone I find interesting, kind of like Sky Ferreira, like, um, but also like rocker, rock, yeah. rocker stuff. I can't speak, but, um, I was doing that. Oh, sorry. Um, Oh, no, 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 go ahead. I was reading about, I was reading the, that book, um, In Defense of Ska, about Ska last year. And he, and Ariel Reitstag was a big Ska guy, mm-hmm. but he refused to go on the record. He's like so humiliated about it. He won't even talk about it, which. Oh, my um, God. But that's so funny to be so. Yeah. I mean, I guess he didn't want it to like color, like, he didn't want people to be like, he's embraced, or he's embraced, he's influenced by Ska. <laughs> Right, but it's, like, that's such a lame, like, everyone's, like, reclaiming their guilty pleasures now, and it's just so, like, painful to be, like, embarrassed of your youth, I guess, still, you know? Um, But I agree. Yeah. I feel like, as I totally agree, like, I think he's, 
he's brilliant, but there's something about his like his face, his aura, what I what I observe his being to be that is so like of course he is rejecting his former ska days. There's something about him that I could just tell. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's like this like I don't know, there's a very specific type of like Jewish guy who like tries so hard to look so serious. Yes. And it's like Actually. I don't know. <laughs> and, and of course like we're we're allowed to say this we're Jewish. We're Jewish. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, no, I completely agree. He's like he made it big, he's a producer now and he's <laughs> he's yeah but he's like wearing a chain in his like wikipedia photo it's it's all very funny oh and then one of tricks is producing i guess wait one of tricks is also on crash it looks like yeah i that is really i think that there's a lot there and a lot that could be promising but the singles are just like i don't know good ones a lot of fun after i listened to it a few times at first i was just like this is really anticlimactic no, I agree. Um, and I think it's been tough. I think like an unspoken kind of arc of her last record was um, just, or not not how I'm feeling now, but of Charlie was like the kind of label tension. Like the reason mm-hmm. that she had to release what I think are her best releases, right? Like Pop 2 and Number 1 Angel as like quote unquote mixtapes because of her label deals. I think mm-hmm. like Charlie was a little bit of a letdown to me and never, and I think that's an unspoken part of it. So I don't know, maybe it's good to like deal with that head on with crash and like fully lean into the, like I am a slave to the industry thing, but if it's just bad music, it's just bad music. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, exactly. That's kind of where my head's at. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping she, she surprises me slash us, (laughs) everyone who's, you know, Feverish. Personally, I hope she surprises Julia Gray. Um, Thank you so much. <laughs> I, if Charlie XCX touches one person, it should be me. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, I do. I do love her so much that I feel like um, I, I want to review the album, but I'm uh, I'm afraid I've painted myself as too much of a stan. You know, I think like stan culture and its orientation to it could be a good lens for a kind of review of this album you know because that's not good yeah like it's not detached at all from what she's doing like i think it she's playing very much into it it would be impossible to talk about without it and who's not a stan of her at this point you know yeah that's a great (laughs) point um so i think we can get into your pop culture obsession which is drumroll please (laughs) third eye blind (laughs) crowd goes nuts yeah absolutely i mean hopefully tomorrow night the crowd will go nuts when we see them playing deep cuts i am so excited (laughs) for 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 those listening um unaware of our plans tomorrow night (laughs) we're seeing third eye blind for their 25th anniversary show at irving plaza right it's at irving plaza it's at Irving Plaza, yeah. Yeah. Um, the the set list from last night in LA or two nights ago or whatever do not look. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to be playing honestly. what we want to hear. Unfortunately, yeah. If you are a fan of late game Third Eye Blind tracks like Silver Lake Neophyte, buddy, you're gonna love tomorrow's show. Um, but oh, oh my god, yeah. What? It, it's a like why? If if you're gonna. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's it's gonna make my dry January really difficult. I'll be honest. Like it's yeah. um, it's gonna test you. I mean, there I've seen this on a couple set lists, even like like ones that were actually good. Like if you look at last year, they were actually playing the hits. I don't know what the freak they're on, but they've mm-hmm. been covering Disorder by Joy Division. Is I think we're talking about and. I they keep choosing mm-hmm. like the most ill-fitting covers to ev- like that they as a kind of cocky jockey band could take on and I just find that very funny. Mm-hmm. Also like songs that nobody should really try <laughs> to take on, you know? Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hear like I don't want to hear even like a like a beautifully stripped back like Katie Crutchfield cover of, of Disorder. Like nothing is gonna do it justice. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. You you wrote in your review about how they they often for a period played um, the Smiths. Was it please 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 let? Yeah, like again, not not something that every every man can just cover. Nor should they. Nor, nor should Dane too. I mean, that's at least like that is a good like drunk karaoke song. It's just gotten broken up with or something. But like, it was from all reports, he just like literally was like, "We are going to butcher this song," and then went on to butcher it. So like, at least self-aware, but still painful. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I'm really hoping that they switch up the set list tomorrow night and. <laughs> Give us some of the hits. Please. They got in Narcolepsy, which is my favorite song from the self-titled album. Yeah, it's after you tweeted about it, I listened again, and you know, it's a magical song, truly. It's so fucking good. I mean, that whole album really like it was it that was probably like my first favorite album and has, <laughs> like is still <laughs> among my favorites. How did you get into it? Um, amazing question that I have for you. We can both we can both <laughs> share our origin stories. I hardly remember, but it was something that like all the guys I hung out with would go to Chili Cookoff, DC ones <laughs> um, like rock festival, and they all like just listened to radio rock all the time, and we would talk about radio rock, and I think that's how. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's like just such a – it stands the test of time. But how how did you get into this album? Um, Yeah, I think I have a real soft spot for albums that came out around this time because I think they were just percolating so much when I was a little baby. And so, you know, stuff like How's It Gonna Be and, you know, Semi-Charm Life and Jumper were just around. And then – um, yeah, I guess I started in the pandemic kind of regressing a bit into exactly that, like this kind mm-hmm. of like, um, you know, jock rock radio music. So like everything from Counting Crows to like Switchfoot to, yeah, like Third Eye Blind, uh, just felt like a real comfort zone. So I went back and I just started like, really getting into their discography found out that none of it really held up after blue and mm-hmm. kind of uh, from there did some research about the album was like, this is really nuts. Um, and yeah, I will say I, you know, would have said that 
Never Let You Go is my favorite song of Third Eye Blinds before I did this review, which is on Blue, their second album. But I don't know. Now I'm like, it could be Motorcycle Drive-By. They're all, it's an amazing record. It really is. I'm Never Let You Go is also great. Also, it is. I think that um, uh, Blue has some songs that I will like stand up for. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obvious that, like, once Kevin Cadigan left, which is the argument that I think everyone makes, including me, um, it, 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 like, there's no no melodic comparison. Like, I think, you know, it's just Stephen Jenkins's, like, really obnoxious lyrics. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know. I mean, yeah, beyond um, slow motion and never let you go, what else are you digging on Blue? Actually, you. I think you got them because the ones I was thinking of, um, "Blinded." That's on a. That's on. Um, in in the vein, is that what that album's called? Oh yeah, out of the vein. Out of, of the course. vein. Yeah, "Blinded." I really <laughs> like that song. And then "Non Dairy Creamer," which is not a good song, but people love it. I have heard that one as like a when I've d- d- delved deep into the like Reddit's of Third Eye Blind for this piece. Oh my god, mentioning it. Um. They do have an album from 2016 that I've not listened to a single song off of, to be honest. But when the whole Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox thing came out, when she's like, the first time we met, I said, you look like you did drugs. And Mm -hmm. he said, I am drugs. They have an album called We Are Drugs from 2016. Oh, my God. Wait, (laughs) that is something that I I don't think I could ever listen to that. Oh my god, yeah, the album art is just like people like all putting their faces on Stephen Jenkins or hands on Stephen Jenkins' face, like tearing it apart. That guy no. is just <laughs> nobody is more hated in the history. Yeah, you should definitely take a look. It's I'm actually looking at it right now. <laughs> this is oh, and they all happen to be women. <laughs> yeah, that's a diverse cast of women who all need to, you know, yeah, get robbed. Oh, they're they're widening one of his eyes. Um, <laughs> Maybe a play on the name of Sam. Maybe a play, yeah. That's um, fun. Um, but do you want to, like, maybe walk us through, like, I don't know, a bit of... You start the review with the cricket scene, and I'd love to, like, hear your kind of description of how Third Eye Blind got, like, the road to success. Yeah, I mean, I think learning more about them made them make a lot more sense to me as a band. Um <laughs> It was definitely one of those, I think that the that the reason that they are so successful is because they were able to capitalize on um, a kind of like insane CD boom that if you look at the numbers, like 97 was like the second most lucrative year. I think it actually peaked in 96, but that's when they would have been signed. So I think a lot of the reason that we're like, how were they able to go from like an unknown band to being like getting a $1 million record contract was just like there, it was a runaway kind of industry that like three of the record labels that went to go see them merged in the next decade, you know, just like collapsed. Um, But that's maybe more like a materialist background, but like, yeah, they Stephen Jenkins is a like by all accounts kind of like um a one of those classic like kid who had everything but like would you know thought he needed to prove himself to the world like mm-hmm. his parents got divorced which is tough on a kid no doubt and he had dyslexia which is also tough 
And his third grade teacher allegedly told him, like, you're never going to graduate. And when he ended up graduating, every place I can read says valedictorian, but I don't think they give out valedictorians in college. But he graduated valedictorian of UC Berkeley, which I don't think is a thing. I feel Um, like it might be. Yeah, maybe the UC schools have like a weird thing. Yeah, I believe that. I also would believe that he just said that enough that people started repeating it, you know? That's also true. But he went back to that third grade teacher and like slapped it on her desk and was like, fuck you. Like, of course, he remembered that, you know, (laughs) Um, and his dad is a poli sci professor, which I only bring up because I feel like having a poli sci professor dad probably leaves you with so many kind of intellectual complexes. And usually those kids end up being kind of weirdly libertarian in my experience. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. Um. And then from there, yeah, like Stephen Jenkins um, was in a rap group called Puck and Natty. Um, <laughs> that that part really like blew my mind. Yeah, um, I I was really shocked and pleasantly surprised to find this like one song they made for the new the Beverly Hills 90210 soundtrack. Um, I would definitely implore everyone to search it. It's called "Just Want to Be Your Friend," and it sounds like a weird like you know American Pie version of Third Eye Blind you know what I mean like it's just all the goofiness just want to be your friend which clearly he doesn't he's literally there's lines in the song where he's just like I gotta tell you I'm so horny (laughs) it's really and it was on 90210 yeah they like recruited them like that somebody reached out to them and was like can you I'd love to hear like a whole sub story about that, but they can't find much about like how they found them. Oh my um, and you can also hear the rap a lot, like in semi charm life, which was a okay. puck and natty song originally. Oh my um, yeah, You definitely can. He like sing raps. Yeah. And, and same with never let you go. I think he was trying to take the band in more of a sing rappy direction to like get it back to his roots of being a white rapper <laughs> i'm glad he didn't yeah me too so do you think like a band like third eye blind could make it in this climate like after having like i, I can't get over the crickets raining down <laughs> on the music right. industry execs yeah i just, mean like, they after just... being such an ass like just being so presumptuous and even just being a like a guitar band yeah, all of that's really interesting. I mean, I think like yeah, the story is like they were just they had a piñata full of crickets and they and they um told a bunch of labels basically fuck you. Like Puck and Natty got a deal offered and he was like fuck you if you won't let me produce my own music. Um I think you know what though? I've been thinking about this and I think they would be the perfect dirty hit band. Like mm-hmm. everything yeah, just like he I will say Steven reminds me of some of what I've heard about Maddie Healy and working with him. And like, I don't think he's as much of an asshole at all as Steven is, but like the aggressive um, pursuing of your own artistic interests. Um, But definitely. Yeah. The crickets thing would probably, I keep coming back to it. I do think (laughs) it would be like really cool to do. And it would be a huge story. (laughs) Yeah, it would well, I'm trying to think about, like, you know, I don't know, like, there's so many stupider origin stories for, like, I really keep picking on, like, Jaden, but just, like, all these, mm-hmm. like, return yeah. to rock artists now have, yeah. like, some kind of 
you know, sob story about how they were bullied or whatever. And I just feel like we kind of would take well to this outrageousness. Of, yeah. Um, yeah. Or um, I'm trying to think about where else they would slot in or like who would they, who they would like have a collab track with, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, um, it's tough. I feel like they, it's like not the, knowing what we know now about third eye blind. Sure. We can like slot them in places, but I feel like, I, I can't imagine it being the easiest sell in the year 2022. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, third eye blind self-titled is so, it would definitely be, have to be indie. Like I can't see it fitting into any of the major, like, you know, yeah, there, yeah. there's no Coachella spot for third eye blind in 2022. Sadly. Um, sadly. What, um, you talk in the article, you talk about kind of their downfall and why they um, like couldn't get past the first album really. Yeah. I mean, so I think anybody who's gotten kind of obsessed with third eye blind will know the story, which is like Steven Jenkins is in my, you can find very little defenders of his, even in his fan base because he is just constantly usurped his band's own, success just to prove a point like over and over and over again and basically you know in interviews when after third after third eye blind self-titled came out he was like we're all four band we're all four in the band and we all have equal creative control but then Mm -hmm. behind the scenes he had a manager and i'm forgetting the manager's name but basically he still has the same manager i believe and it's like with this manager who he met pre third eye blind he was able to set up a bunch of um, legal entities like Third Eye Blind Inc. and things like that to basically direct all shares of ownership of Third Eye Blind's assets, their, his songs, the songwriting credits, the publishing rights to himself and solely himself, which oh um, was insane and broke verbal agreements and written agreements that he had with specifically Kevin Cadigan, the guitarist who wrote a lot of Third Eye Blind as well, the self-titled. So, um, yeah, Kevin was not too pleased and they left him at, after a gig at Sundance and they flew to film the tonight show with Jay Leno, um, with, uh, Tony something. I can't, uh, Tony Fred Dianelli who looks kind of exactly like Kevin Cadigan in the video, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. Definitely on purpose. Right. Like bleached hair, tiny sunglasses. I guess like uh, half the guys in like 1999 look like that though. So it's probably not too, not too, yeah, too hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they um, like the band kind of lost it when he left? Yeah. I mean, I think it started to unravel. Like I think they never even got close. Like I think, to the to the commercial or critical success of their debut because you know Kevin was such a good composer I think like if you try to do some of the like tunings that he uses on Third Eye Blind it's kind of amazing what he I don't know like he he to- he he's really I think there's a good podcast with him I could recommend that like he just is a whiz and still is and mm-hmm. um the other thing was though that Stephen Jenkins just became a bigger and bigger asshole, right? Like he started dating Charlize Theron. Um, 
he was rumored to be dating Winona Ryder, like all the marks of like the biggest assholes of 1999 started right. to like be, <laughs> he just picked up on them. And, you know, he basically kicked out every other member of the original lineup, except for poor Brad Hargreaves, their drummer is still with them. But um, yeah, just like one by one, even um, Cadigan's replacement, Tony left, uh, and now they all sometimes perform as XEB, like the people who left. Oh so, my God. yeah. Like to this day. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're playing like post pandemic, but in like 20, they, but they have to market themselves in a weird way. They have to market themselves as like famous 90s band plays their famous self titled debut. They can't use the words. So it's. Wow. That's crazy. I, I just, came across a YouTube video where they performed the entire debut album. How could they do that without Stephen Jenkins? Yeah, I do not know who's saying in them. I would love to see it, though. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. This is nuts. That's what we want from the show tomorrow. (laughs) To just go to an XEB show. (laughs) I know. No, I'm I'm wondering if, you know, I wear some XEB merch. I can just, like, start start a fight. (laughs) You'd be thrown out. (laughs) You mentioned there were some things that you couldn't fit in the piece. Are there any you think worth shouting out right here on this program? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think like there is a lot of influence that they've had that I didn't really talk about. Like, you know, I think it's obvious what their influence is in modern rock, I think, just in terms of um, specifically like Kevin's kind of use of going between like finger picking and really like dense power chords. I think is a structure you see in mm-hmm. bands like Oso Oso and um, other like new emo bands. Um, and I, I found Third Eye Blind Deep Cut, honestly, because I was really into Panic at the Disco and in middle school. Same. And they did a cover of Slow Motion <laughs> at one point. Oh my God, like, did they? Yeah, Brendan did it, I think, on his own, um, which is kind of nuts, but... Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so much to say. I think, like, um, also, the album was, like, produced by... Produced, technically, in air quotes that you can't see, um, (laughs) by Stephen Jenkins, because he, he, of course, he demanded that when he Mm -hmm. signed... Um, you know, uh, when he signed with Electra, but by all accounts, um, Eric Valentine, who helped produce their demos, I think his real name is Eric. It's not Valentine, but he just goes by Eric Valentine, which I love. Um, it's like Eric Dodd, but he ended up just basically being the produ- producer for the record and mm-hmm. like had to fight his way into getting a producer credit because he really just like, he did crazy stuff. He put like mics underwater for them to record like that. Like, really inventive stuff um and he and, didn't get the credit and he eventually got co-producer credit but he was originally just supposed to be credited as an engineer which is kind of psycho um and oh God. he really he really <laughs> crashed his own ship absolutely and he just like stephen jenkins there's sorry. a really sorry what were you saying oh no i was just saying sunk crashed i don't know but continue <laughs> both yeah like sure and, and then made sure it sunk i mean like he oh, just to wrap up with eric valentine after he worked with them he just went on to produce like smash mouth and and good charlotte and like it defined this whole like light punk genre it was kind of crazy but um yeah 
Steven. I wonder, I wonder where they could have gone if they just kept him around. It's weird too. I mean, Electra like folded, right? Like in a decade. I just, I think it is one of those tragic stories of like, even if they hadn't broken up, you know, what would they be now? I'm trying to think about other bands that started around the same time and like where they are now. Um, but yeah, there's, there, there's not much space in the canon for them. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to enter the rock canon in 1997, you know, and <laughs> there's a lot you're living up to. Um, I, I feel like there is, yeah, they, they, it, it could have only gone this way, I kind of feel. Like, I, I don't think you can follow up that album. It's, yeah, it's so tough. I think it. it's like there's ways that if I get, like, if I eat too much of an edible or something, I, like, <laughs> bend my brain into, like, well, there's a couple routes, right? Like, one is, like, that they could have started indie, which the Jenkins would have never done. But I feel like there's some weird world in which – you know, they started on a smaller label, like, uh, and then they could have lasted longer or yeah. I don't know, but they kind of went for it and then blew up. But the other last thing I'll posit is they could have done a kind of like Adam Schlesinger Fountains of Wayne trajectory if Jenkins hadn't been such an asshole and like written for TV, written for movies, because I feel like they would be great at that, you know? Um, yeah, I <laughs> I mean, say what you will about like his pompous writing, but I think you you put it well. I think what did you say? You said something like this kind of direct writing can only come from someone with this kind of inflated sense of self. Yeah, like there's no Very irony there. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad <laughs> you like the piece. Yeah, I really did. I'm. I feel like it really crystallized what is so interesting about this band and this album. Yeah. I, oh, I appreciate that. I think like, you know, it's funny to see people cause I wrote it as a Sunday review. If, and, and people are like, this is when I know pitchforks really lost it. You know, oh, shut <laughs> up. wait, what was the, what was the backlash? People were just like this, you know, like the kind of like, I can't believe pitchforks been reduced to, um calling everything great like everyone gets a trophy type culture like uh basically like i grew up when it was cool to make fun of things so i'm upset now you know people love that line yeah it's uh it was fascinating to see you know people's reactions some people were like thank you for celebrating this album i was always a little embarrassed to like so you get both ways i think has someone written about a fever you can't sweat out well, it's funny you say that, Julia. If you look on, <laughs> first of all, it just turned 15 like a couple of years ago. Right. Mind melting. Like whenever I think about how that album came out in 2005, I'm like, you. It had to be 2007, right? Because that's when I started listening to it, and that's when music started for me. <laughs> like right, I don't know exactly. if that makes sense in your, but that's how my no, line. no, for sure. <laughs> um, but Pitchfork did review it at the time. 1.5. Um, yeah, it's, I'm looking right now. It's really rough. It's um, <laughs> it's it's due for a Sunday review. It, yeah, if if they could reopen it to things they have talked about, that is the first one I hope people line up for because it's like at least they're trying. You know what I mean? Like, 
and they succeed a lot of the time, but pitchfork or uh panic at the disco oh panic pan- i mean both <laughs> but like panic in this case yeah yeah um, i i just think it i mean like listening to it now it's i mean it's 1.5 is a bit harsh but it's it's just a it's a silly album yeah I, I love it it's yeah. i mean it's a it's a very like similar to similar to stephen jenkins i think it's an album that like you can only make if you are a hundred percent serious about the value of your art and like seriously and and yeah i couldn't agree more there's i think there's on youtube like they do a run through of the album and they're all in like uh carnival-esque gear and it's oh are you talking about live in denver is that (laughs) 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 there's like one live show they recorded also olivia sorry i saw you commented r.i.p symbol plan symbol plan was another like very touchstone artist for me in the um but, but yeah, uh, Panic, I think if it's the tour you're talking about where they're all wearing, like, very, like, um, Victorian, but, like, quasi-steampunk um, outfits, is that kind yes. of... Yes. Oh, yep. No, I'm looking right now. <laughs> I would... It's very, I would, um, yeah. <laughs> it's very clockwork orange. It is so... It's clearly... It's, it's hot. I mean, like, I will say... Yeah. Oh, I, I love them. <laughs> Oh my god, wait, there's a live in Denver full DVD? Bro. Um I I not know any of this. It's such a good I might have like purchased that on iTunes. Like I think I was just so because they do um do you wanna do you wanna guess what what cover they do unless you've already seen it in the YouTube? Okay, wait, I might have, but let me Okay. <laughs> can you give me a um can you give me a hint? Okay. Uh it's a British band. Um, 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 wait, everyone guess in the chat. Yeah. Everyone guess what band, uh, <laughs> okay. Wait, 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 no, no, no. Is it, um, this charming man? That would be so amazing. <laughs> and like, honestly, I think they do a great job, but, um, no, it what is, is- it? Of course, Karma Police by Radiohead. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> of course, nothing like, and and if you thought Karma Police was unsubtle, I don't know, which it's a little subtle. If you can imagine, Brendan Urie uh, strips any and all kind of wavering, uh, ironic 90s remove in his cover, and it's just full, like, opera. Uh, it's Theater. amazing. Yeah. That's, that's why I appreciate that album it's just going for opera man i wish these suggestions are great though i wish they covered blur or pulp but maybe not blur because damon is maybe going to be killed by the swifties in the next week (laughs) so um yeah well if we if we have time and did you come up with a shark tank pitch yeah i don't know how i feel about it um but (laughs) (laughs) I'll, i'll introduce the segment um and you guys in the in the chat, if you have any ideas, please uh, weigh in. But I asked Ariel to come with a pop culture Shark Tank pitch. So that could be a news item or a new relationship or a TV show or anything she wishes existed in pop culture right now. So what is your what is your pitch? I'm the shark or actually everyone in the room is <laughs> is uh, their own shark. 
Uh, yeah, sharks. Um, have you ever wanted um, a relationship to a celebrity relationship that um, makes you know makes you feel like you're in a freshman discussion section for uh, a you know being in time by Martin Heidegger? Um, oh my God, sh- sharks! <laughs> sharks! Where could this be going? <laughs> have you ever wanted? Um, like steampunk formal wear on the Met Gala. Um, uh, sharks, <laughs> have you ever um, uh, confused Jordan Peterson's voice with Bob Odenkirk's voice? Because I did once and it was really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sharks, I present to you, I think Grimes should date Jordan Peterson. And Whoa. I think that, that should be our uh, celebrity couple for this bizarro late capitalist era i think they'd have a lot to talk about um i think that you know grimes for all of her quasi subversive politics ultimately seems to be really into like kind of trad femme type family dynamics and uh and i think jordan would really relish kind of getting to teach her a bunch of stuff because he probably thinks that she's like the perfect student in many ways. And, and uh, she loves, she loves big ideas. And I think he just, he's nothing if not an ideas guy. So that's. I, okay. Here's a question. (laughs) Do you think he has enough money for what she's looking for at this point? That is such a good point. I mean, his net worth 8 million. Is that what it says? Yeah. That's what, that's what that feels low. It (laughs) does feel low. But um, <laughs> that says us. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, says me. Who's whatever. But yeah, like I think, um, to like I think that he would inspire her to create like some of the worst art she's ever made, and mm-hmm. I think it'll sell really well, you know, because I think she's now plugged into communities like Discord and kind of like Steam and gaming communities that I think would really take to her kind of like. Um, men's rights activists, hyper pop that what would come out of this. Um, but so maybe like she wouldn't need him because he would be her muse. And, I'm and, yeah, I'm really into where where her heads at. Um, I'm going to propose <laughs> another potential partner for her. Oh, like in a thruple with them, or just like instead of instead of thruple with. Use your imagination here. Um. Joe Rogan. Oh, oh man. I oh, think, <laughs> I think it could, it could lead to some really interesting meme art <laughs> from Grimes. I get the sense that Joe Rogan is like sneaky, really into anime and they could yeah. probably talk a lot about that too. And it would, yeah. Oh my God. I, again, I think she would be producing some of the worst uh, <laughs> music and art of her career. Um, well, we already know they're kind of friends, right? Like from Texas stuff, like don't they all hang? But it's um, Joe Rogan and Elon. I did, and I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, I I hope now that you said that, like I've been really on the Jordan Peterson trend because I think like she's somebody who really loves to wrap her head around like an intellect. So like somebody who's can offer her something intellectually that she, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I think. Yeah, no, that's a good point. She, I feel like. 
yeah. Joe Rogan just yes ands, you know. <laughs> But she might want a dumb jock. Like, honestly, Magical Clouds is kind of like a dumb jock of the indie world. And that's who she was with, you know, at first. So um, I don't know. I I'm, I may be convinced by you if, if we, you know, are you investing I think, in? I think we can we can link and we can really kind of um, we can think tank this. Link and build. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We're going to start Grimes dating. Thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. One um, more one more idea. Uh, Zizek. <laughs> right um, now, I'm just looking at the Jordan Peterson people also search for. No. Also, also here, Russell Brand, Barry Weiss. <laughs> um. Oh my God, that's that's actually that's so funny. That's just Grimes and the, Barry Weiss. Grimes and Barry Weiss. Look, that the thing is, like, that would be kind of hot, you know, in a weird way. Like, we've never seen. Because, like, Red Scare doesn't hook up with each other, you know? We've never seen, like, a couple that's, like, two women who are suck so much um, <laughs> in our modern. Um, I feel like it would it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I think they would have a lot to talk about. I think Barry would, like, absolutely go gaga over having such an artistic leftist girlfriend. Yeah. Um, I I can't believe that Barry went on Bill Maher and everyone's like, see, the leftists have given up on COVID too. And it's it, <laughs> the brain worms. Um, the brain worms. Oh, Grimes and Bill Maher. Like there's oh just. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think she's his type, but we could. Um, That's so true. This is for, yeah. this is for our, um, this is for our lab. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll try to fix an algorithm and see just like, you know. Thank how, you. Thank you so much. Um, what I come up with, but. If it's anyone really else wants to join our startup, just, you know, <laughs> you know where to find us. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. This was so much fun. Yeah, this was a blast. I, uh, I, I really appreciated you letting me go long about Stephen Jenkins and his um, asshole behavior. Literally anytime. It is among my favorite topics. We should do this again and, um, yeah, find a new, find a new album to discuss. I would love that. And uh, I guess I'll see you in the pit at Third Eye Blind tomorrow. Yeah. If, if anyone else is going, just look for us. We'll be the the most gorgeous people there. Yep. That's it. <laughs> the most gorgeous Jewesses in the pit. Mm-hmm. Thanks, uh, everyone. Wearing our XEB shirts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. All right. Thanks. Bye.